Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Back with you for 2023. I'm Tony Kern. Alongside me this week is Gareth the Prevot. Happy New Year, Tony. <laughs> and to you. And with us is Jamie Ingrall. Hi, Tony. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Happy New Year all round. Uh, how are we all feeling? Fresh and, and raring to go? Um, if you'd asked me on the 1st of January, I might have said yes. On on the 2nd of January, when Guernsey FC's uh, opponents didn't arrive, I wasn't particularly fresh and I wasn't particularly happy, to be honest. <laughs> yes, yeah. it went downhill very quickly for me this new year. <laughs> yeah, at a time of year when the sporting calendar is sort of thin to begin with, yeah, something yeah, like that I, happening. It doesn't exactly help the, the editor of the Guernsey for Sport section. No, I, I did have about three or four pages sort of devoted to that one match. And when, when I found out they weren't coming, I was... Uh, uh, I was, uh, ex- there's quite a few expletives coming out let's put it that <laughs> oh. way <laughs> I mean, they can't buy any luck at the moment can they after the, the game was um, abandoned before mm. Christmas uh, the, the previous home game for a serious injury and then you know for the opposition not to make it this time as well um, especially with the squad they were going to have out as well they've been struggling to get 12 people together and then they had a very decent squad of 17 for this game and they don't get to play so yeah, yeah, yeah. luck is against them at the moment hopefully it'll turn soon yeah absolutely well they're back at home on Sunday coming up on this episode um, I I've been catching up with Gary Woolbridge, um, Guernsey Cycling stalwart, who's heavily involved in uh, well preparing both the cycling events and also the team for the Summers Ireland Games. So I've been catching up with him about that and also about Sam Colwell's prospects for this year with his new team, 8085 Pro Cycling. Um, so that'll be coming up. We'll also be looking ahead to uh, what else is happening this weekend, what's been going on over the Christmas period, and also paying tribute to Owen Lavalle, um, uh, an absolute stalwart of the International Ireland Games Association a store of, sort of Guernsey Sports Administration and a man who's um, played a, a huge role in island sport over the years who uh, sadly died um, this week at the age of 95. Rob Batty is going to be sharing some memories um, of him. Um, let's start though by looking back at what's been going on I suppose over the Christmas period. Jamie you were out on the on the common on Boxing Day uh, watching the uh, cross country there and that's ahead of a big weekend of cross country um, over in Hampshire. Yeah okay so we'll get to what's coming up this weekend soon but yeah I think the Boxing Day cross country is always a good appetizer having the uk-based students and alumni back on local soil to sort of have a contest against our top guns and it's always quite interesting the uh, uk-based athletes have taken it for the last five years now so i mean you get used to the same sort of people winning year rounds and a lot of the local races so it's nice to see people mixing it up in this case it was uh, richard bartram taking a well-deserved victory over alex rowe who's also based in the uk but also Steve Dawes, who a lot of people would say is our top locally based runner. Yeah, and as you say, a nice appetiser for the Hampshire yeah. Cross Country Championships and, and Guernsey taking an enormous, potentially record-breaking um, group across this weekend. It's a tricky one to keep tabs on in terms of numbers. Uh, we believe it is a record. We've got 63 people across the various squads, which is a quite sizable contingent. And not only that, it's packed with quality. Um I mean, it means quite a lot. In the men's race, we've got Lee Merrion and Steve Dawes, both of whom are former champions. There's no guarantee they'll be first across the line. I think the UK-based students and alumni will push them a lot. And I would not want to call the first Guernsey person across the line in that race. 
all to play for then. And um, what about the women's side of things? Because, uh, yeah, strong group going over to represent uh, represent the island in that competition. Um, yeah, so we had a bit of a weakness last year in that we only had four women on the team. But now we've... I mean, it's increased more than threefold and we've got a strong team of 14. And again, it's sort of got a really strong heading from various people and I would not want to call a race. In fact, we're actually doing a sweepstake about it. So <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, okay, we've got Sarah Rowe who was Mercier has married uh, James Rowe the cyclist uh, Nat Whitty has come into some outstanding form and we also got Megan Chappell who you're very familiar with her um, triathlon exploits but she's also performing to a top level in running so yeah, yeah good stuff and you're heading across to uh, to follow all the action yes I am not going to be racing <laughs> nah <laughs> not my thing next year next year um <laughs> Gareth, what about you over Christmas? As you say, there wasn't a huge amount going on, but one of the standouts, certainly of the last couple of years, has been uh, the games down at the hockey club between um, Guernsey and the kind of the visiting or returning students. Yeah, it's, it's turned into a really, really almost important annual match now. It's funny, it's only been like the third edition of it. Um, but um, an idea that came about because of lockdown and a lot of sort of students, whatever, you're returning to the island when the island had less restrictions than everywhere else. Um, they put on these these games back in sort of 2020, it would have been. And um, they've sort of really taken on a, a, a really good stature already. And just the quality of play and just the strength and depth of Guernsey hockey is sort of fully on display in those games. And I mean, this year, the, the women, the Ireland women's uh, squad won their game 3-0. But the, um, the men's game was an absolute thriller, to be honest. It was an absolute classic. And... Uh, the students went 3-1 down at half-time to a, a very competent display by the Ireland men's squad, considering they, they were missing a few. There'd probably be about half a dozen who are still to come back in for the for the uh, national knockout, which they're going off to this weekend. Um, but then, yeah, the, the students really, well, they, they sort of, they became a more cohesive unit as the game goes on, which is understandable. And they just turned, the, turned on the style in the, in the second half. And uh, Lewis Perfit was absolutely outstanding. I mean, he's just, he was a very good player when he was playing at about 16 for Elizabeth College. Now he's away playing regularly sort of for his university and whatever. He is just a real standout now. But also the likes of Jay Pissett, um, Jack Smart, Will Thompson, they're all playing against the island side which it, it still seems a bit strange in that regard. But everyone takes it seriously enough. It's, it, it's, not, it's certainly not a friendly game. You wouldn't call it a friendly. It's a, it's a proper competitive game. And bragging rights is a huge thing amongst them all. And you could tell that um, even when they fell behind, the Ireland side were desperate to try and get back on level terms. As it turned out, they lost 5-4 in the end. Um, but it was a really high quality game and it will it'll do the Ireland squad members sort of no end of good going into the national knockout, which they've got coming up. Yeah, exactly. That was one that was delayed from before Christmas. And uh, I think, as you wrote um, at the time, you know, over over the festive period that, uh, yeah, actually it kind of things worked out in their favour then because they've had a good good warm up for what is an important game for them. It, yeah, it was all a bit strange because, well, um, it was, the game was postponed, postponed because of the big freeze in England and um, the, it just wasn't playable um, in Crawley. They're heading off to Crawley this weekend. As it turned out, um, at the time, the Stokes brothers Ant and Matt were away skiing, so they wouldn't have been available in, for the original date. They are available this time around, which is a, is a real big boon for the island side. Um, but now that they've also had this sort of like prep warm-up game against our own students, um, they know what areas they need to work on. They, they know that they've got a few more coming back in. Um, but it should help them hit the ground running. One of the big issues Guernsey have 
had over the years in those games is they tend to start a bit slowly um, because they don't play together that often. So yeah, fingers crossed. It's it's Dunham, um, the world of good going into that because they they could do with a good cup run. Since they changed the format, England hockey, we've we've never really had the luck of the draw. Um, this time round, the the first two rounds, they're always going to be tough, but we haven't got sort of what you'd describe as one of the big boys in England in English hockey. So. Um, Hopefully, if they get through this round against Crawley, fingers crossed they do, um, I believe they will be at home in the next round. Their opponents haven't been decided yet either. But um, yeah, a home tie would be great to see the the Ireland men's side um, back on home soil in that competition because they basically haven't had a home game in that for a few years now. Yeah, it feels like ages ago (laughs) since then. Um, Well, yeah, best of luck um, to them over in Crawley at the weekend. Um, Fantastic to secure uh, one of those big occasions down at Footslane. And it's going to be quite a busy weekend down at Footslane after, um, yeah, after a sort of fairly quiet period because um, Raiders and GFC at home, as we mentioned before, GFC on Sunday and Raiders at home against Henley on Saturday. Um, yeah, and uh, no Jordan Reynolds. Uh, he's, uh, he's still sunning himself yeah, back still. in his native Australia. Yes. I'd give it another week if I were you, Jordan. Um, <laughs> he's probably missed a good week to miss out. <laughs> um, but that's going to be a big game as well. And uh, yeah, big opportunity for, for a couple of players, uh, not least Don Rice, who captains him for the first time. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's um, Malcolm Barnes is taking the side this this week. He's um, Jordan's assistant. But um, yeah, uh, as, as he joked, he's, he's got some players back and it meant he doesn't have to pick himself, which... For someone who I personally consider Raiders' best ever player, it's, it's almost a bit of a shame that we don't get to see him playing. But um, thoroughly understandable that he wants to be on the sideline in the head coach's role while he while he sort of steps in for Jordan. Um, but yeah, Dom Rice is um, going to captain the side in the absence of Lewis Hillier, so that's a so that'll be a big deal for Dom. He's he's a very proud Guernseyman. Um, and um, he's been part of that leadership group pretty much ever since he came back from university. I think he's, he's all like being being blooded for this role almost. Um, so it's it's a it's a big deal for him. But yeah, it's it's good to see some other some other guys back from injury. Callum Roberts is back. Um, Owen Thomas is back available now as well. So um, it should be. It's a, it's a very strong side and um, the games against Henley tend to be very tight. I mean, we lost to them 28-24 um, earlier in the season. It was our first away game of the season. Um, and Henley, uh, only there are a couple of places above us, but they're actually about nine points ahead of there's a bit of a there's a bit of a gap. Uh, Barry St. Edmunds are in between and we can catch them if we were to win a game and they were to lose. But um, yeah, Henley are actually still in with a shout of sort of getting top three if they if they were to win a couple of games they could quite easily rise the table quite quite significantly so um it'll be a tough test but um it should be it should be a good game and um for our sake tony i hope uh, anthony armstrong has a good game seeing as we've just given him the the uh, award of supporting sporting achievement of the year for 2022 <laughs> yeah i hope that's not uh, heap too much pressure on him there um yeah no it should be a really good one um uh, yeah I'm, I'm predicting a good atmosphere down there good turnout um a few dry january's getting broken i'm sure already yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, looking forward to that one. As you say, three o'clock kickoff um, down at Footsane and GFC in action on Sunday um, in a two o'clock kickoff. Right, well, that's it, I think, for part one. Um, coming next, we'll hear from Gary Woolridge. Welcome back to the Gens Press Sport Podcast. If you're not already, do make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you're getting your shows um, to get every episode delivered straight to you. Every Thursday, we'll be here with you all year. Um, and uh, with football programmes on a Monday as well, restarting this week after the winter break. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, right, and it is going to be obviously an enormous year for sport in the island with the uh, Island Games returning for the third time in July. We've been catching up with uh, every sport as they've named their squads and uh, there's been a few so far, but 
plenty more to go and one of those um, to uh, to make their pre-selection or, or half selection at least um, is cycling that came just before Christmas 12 of the 20 riders who will be representing Guernsey this summer um, have been confirmed um, Team Guernsey of course sponsored by Upmost and they're supporting the podcast as we speak to representatives of all of the sports ahead of the games um, today it's the turn of Gary Woolbridge then to fill us in about the uh, cycling squad selection he's been involved in getting those names down on paper and is also the coordinator for the cycling events at Guernsey 2023 um, a man who's been involved in local cycling course for, for many many years and um, has been to numerous Commonwealth Games and Island Games so knows all about um, what makes a, a good rider at those events and also how to put on a good event too and I also use the opportunity to catch up as well with him about Sam Colwell who's uh, going to be um, headlining that Guernsey squad in the summer um, as part of a, a big year for him as he moves to a new team. Gary welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Yeah, thank you for, be, for inviting me along. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, the start of a big year for cycling in Guernsey, for many of our cyclists, of course, and, and we'll, we'll come on to talk about Sam Colwell as well. Um, you're, you obviously know very well. Um, let's just start with the Island Games stuff this year, though, because uh, just before Christmas, um, there was an announcement of 12 riders pre-selected um, for the uh, for the home Games squad, um, with eight more to be named at some point That's during it. this year. Um, just talk us through kind of, yeah, that that process and, um, and and why you chose to get 12 names on the team sheet nice and early right so we as a sport um i guess it's mainly driven by by my thoughts is we never set a selection criteria for the island games we know these riders very very well we watch them weekly we watch them throughout the year we watch them grow and we get to know not just their performance but also what goes on inside them and so we typically say the process is you prove to us why you need to be selected. You don't, we don't select you, you select yourself. And it's done by your performance and all the other bits and pieces that contribute to making the right person for the Island Games cycling team. So over the course of 2022, we look at the results and there's usually a few riders in each of those categories that uh, are outstandingly consistent, uh, typically always at the top of the performance ladder and they pick themselves and it just gives them if we pre-select them in before you know november december 2022 it gives them a winter of um planning their training without having to think about i've got a peak for uh, a high performance in march or april just to make sure i'm selected so it gives them an easy pathway in it takes away the worry about and, and it, you know, some people do get nervous about, am I going to get selected or am I not going to? And that plays on their mind. So with a lot, you know, by pre-selecting, it, it takes that sort of worry away. Am I going to make the grade or not? Having said that, there's still eight left um, that have not yet, um, or places yet to be filled. And we've got quite a number of people still in the mix looking to fill those eight spots. Well, that's great. And I guess that's going to mean some competitive uh, competitive racing at the start of the season. I mean, how late will you leave it? Well, typically we've got to the end of April. So although let's take the mountain bikers, they've been, their winter season started in November and you continue telling them we're not looking at performances now. So don't worry about it. You know, we're not looking to see who wins these rate. You know, the, the key thing is built through the winter, uh, built through January, built through February. And then really, you need to be looking at 
March and April to show what you can do. And then by the end of April, hopefully we'll have narrowed down that selection so we've got uh, all the spots filled with the right people. And you've been involved in Guernsey Cycling for, for many years now and, and, and been kind of right at the centre of you know all of our representative um, teams that have gone to Ireland Games, Commonwealth Games, you know, uh, for, for, as I say, for a number of years. I mean, how are things shaping up from your perspective? I know you've got a dual role here because you're, you're games coordinator or cycling coordinator for the games, um, but also obviously having a hand in the selection process. I mean, uh, are we going to have a, a, a strong uh, unit there to, to represent us on home soil? We shall see. <laughs> look, it's all, look, it's always very difficult because you don't know the opposition. You know, we look at what we've got. But we don't really have a great understanding of who's coming from the other islands. Uh, we, we know more about Jersey and they know a lot about us. So we can compare ourselves with them. Isle of Man, as you know, Isle of Man has got a tremendous uh, depth in strength in cycling. Island Games, they, in the last two or three games, they've tended to send their younger riders they, they're not the riders that have gone to the Commie Games. It may not be any of their top pro riders, but you know they will send a good young squad and we don't know what, they'll, what the mix will be, but they will be good. And then we've got the country like Saramar, you know, the, the men, they only have a men's team, but they're brutes. You know, they will come <laughs> and they will fight. Look, it really is, you know, you just don't know really until um, they turn up. And it's four years since the last... Commonwealth Games, Ireland Games. So it's it's a long way since we've all met together. Yeah, and, how, and for cycling, I mean, how much does home advantage count and knowing the roads and knowing knowing the conditions, if you like, uh, does that make a big difference? I think it must. I mean, we get the advantage of racing on these courses. So if we take the time trial course, you know, the guys will know and the women will know exactly how quick they can go around these corners at the Catty Rock or these various other corners. They, they, they've done it for donkey's years, so they know it, what the limits will be. Whereas someone new to the island will be backing off that little bit more than than we would need to if you've, ride it week in week out so yeah home advantage and we can design the courses a little bit to our own strengths so the mountain bike yeah certainly set that as best we can to suit what we're good at um the road race for the men and the women is pretty hilly um having said that we've got to have the right people that can ride those courses ourselves not just create a course that we can practice but actually have the the rides that actually can ride those courses well as well so it's a yeah home advantage is always worth having yeah and from the kind of organizational perspective i mean the cycling it must be one of the more logistically challenging sports to put on you know as you, as you say you've got road race you've got the the mountain biking as well you know it's going to be all over the uh, the island um and then the, the crit in in town which um will be one of the highlights <laughs> yeah. i mean how, how's it all coming along well good question um the <laughs> Uh, we went to a meeting in September of all the sports coordinators and I went there feeling in a good place uh, and listened to everybody else. And how did uh, you come away? <laughs> and I came away thinking, actually, I'm, uh, <clears throat> uh, we've been doing this for three years and by the end of August, we just about worked out where our courses were going to be. Whereas swimming knew from day one, it's going to be in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Athletics knew it's going down the track, isn't it? Whereas we took three years just to work out where our courses will be. So, and I thought we were doing well until that meeting. And actually, you know, <clears throat> we've only just got to that point where we know our, where our events will be. So, yeah, it's very, very diverse. 
Um, and each course is different, every event is different, and everyone's got to, every event's got a different challenge. The biggest challenge we've got, and I don't want to say anything bad about our British cycling, is it, they're very slow to get back to me on things that I need answers for. So we get pressured by the main games organising committee about where are you with this? I'm waiting for a reply from British Cycling. And, you know, I'd be a lot more advanced, a lot more happy if British Cycling were coming back with answers quicker than they are at the moment. What do you need? Kind of sort of course sign-offs and things? Things yeah. like that. Um, who are the commissaires going to be? The visiting officials? Don't know. They haven't picked them yet. Um, there are new regulations coming in in the new year about time trial bikes, for example. And I need answers about how they're going to test that. What do I tell the other islands? You know, that, that sort of thing. It's not perfect, hopefully but we'll, we'll be there. We'll be yeah, there. Hopefully your inbox is pinging with, um, yeah. with recycling emails. <laughs> but we're, we're going well. We're, we, yeah, I think we're in a good place other than the, the, the people who come across and run the events for us. Oh, I'm sure they'll be here. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And what about how it all compared to 2003 for people who remember that? I mean, it, will it be materially different in terms of kind of where and, and what the events look like? Um, not really. The, um, the time trial will be up and down the West Coast. Uh, the road race will be very much based upon where it was held in 2003. Obviously, the, the road crit along the seafront will be exactly where it was then. Uh, the mountain bike criterium held at Delancey Park, which is, again, where it was in 2003. The mountain bike cross-country race is at Lancrest, whereas 2003 was in Herm. Uh, I think the, the major difference is, is that with all sports, the expectation of how well an event is run grows each year. More regulations come in, more requirements come in to test, risk assess, that sort of thing. And all these things um, make life more complicated than it was four years ago, eight years ago, 20 years ago, certainly 30-something years ago when it last, you know, 87 when it came to Guernsey was like, uh, yeah, let's have a race. Turn up, <laughs> <laughs> Turn up and go fast. More or less, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and just coming back to the, the team um, selection and, and those 12 riders, um, yeah, it's a, a real mix of, some youth and experience, um, yeah, people who would be at their first games, people who probably for whom it might be their last, um, potentially. One name obviously stands out, that's Sam Covwell. You know, he was um, a fantastic kind of young talent four years ago in Gibraltar and, and did so well and particularly, you know, shone in that town uh, <laughs> criteria. I mean, that was yep. a, a very fond memory of watching him uh, hurtle around there. And uh, well, I've, still be... got, I've still got the video if you want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be an amazing event here. Um, yeah, how nice is it to, to have him on the team sheet? And I mean, it, it, you know, given he's got a new team um, for next year and, and obviously, you know, ambitions beyond Island Games, is it a certainty that will be kind of fitness permitting or certainty will be, uh, yeah, given yeah, a slot in his calendar? Uh, I think so. Uh, the reason being, it coincides with the Tour de France. Now, the Tour de France, typically, uh, the rest of the world calendar is quite quiet that time of year. <laughs> you look around, there's nothing big on at the same time. So uh, it gives the opportunity, I think, that I, I doubt that there's, unless there's domestic racing in the UK, uh, he's unlikely to get called upon to represent his team. Um, he has got one race I think he might want to do the, that same weekend as the games finish. So it might be fly off immediately, something ends, and then be ready for another race somewhere else. 
on the Sunday, that that sort of thing. But no, he he should be there, and obviously the road team is building their hopes around him, which is which is always a dangerous thing to do. But we will have a strong team, without a doubt. We'll have a strong team with a mix, as you said, of youth and uh, um, and experience. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we look forward to seeing how they go. And then away from the Island Games for Sam, um, as I mentioned, yeah, he's, he's off to this new team who will be known next year as 8085 Pro Cycling. Anyone who read the paper um, before Christmas would have seen, uh, you know, a bit about what that's going to entail. But for anyone who missed that and who doesn't know, I mean, what what kind of uh, sort of next step is this for Sam and, and what's um, what's the target, I guess? Well, I guess um, <clears throat> same level team as he was on in 2020. 21 22 it's a what they call a continental team which is division three of uh the, the professional cyclists um it's a good team it is the dominant uk uh continental team really good team manager really appreciate you know this guy is a good guy I've watched him over the years and uh, he runs his team really, really well the hope it, his own words were is that they will become what's called a pro continental team by 2024 which is division two and if sam is in that team and the team elevates to pro continental he will float up with it and go to the next level of racing which opens up far more avenues far more opportunities much bigger racing uh, at a regular ba- on a regular level uh, regular basis um, across europe across the world you know that's that's what pro continental racing will do for him so that's the hope that he'll have a good season anyway and that the the team he's with will move up to pro continental for 2024 yeah brilliant exciting times i mean yeah. i said it on our review of the year you know having watched him pretty much leave everything out in the streets uh or, you know, the, the west midlands um at the commonwealth games you know if anyone deserves success next year it's him because uh yeah he's been he's sort of there and thereabouts isn't he but it's just it hasn't quite kind of fallen into place. Uh, yeah i mean he is a, a really good one day rider and I think the the team that he was with, which was Trinity Racing, a very good under twenty three team, did not specialise in one day races. So he he really missed out on his absolute strengths, which is give me one race, one day, and I'll be there. I'll be at the front of the race. And he always does that in one day races. He's always at the front end of the race. But a stage race is run in a different way. It's difficult to explain how the differences are between those two forms of racing but it's far more like a a game of chess over the course of let's say five six days or a week or even two weeks Uh, and it's run in a different way and uh, uh, his strength in that type of team would be i'll do the work for the, the hill climbers i'll do the work for the sprinters and i i will not be necessarily racing for myself whereas a one day race that's what you do well, I mean, and he did it so well in the Commonwealth yeah, yeah. Games. It was a, uh, I think everyone who saw it was kind of, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was almost, almost, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, it was spectacular to watch, yeah. um, and, and, and presumably didn't do him any harm in terms of, um, yeah, kind of securing Look, you know, where he's where he's going to be racing next. Yeah, year. yeah. I, I think what certainly is. it it paints a picture of what the, the form of rider he is, and uh, it was up there. I mean, there was a real mixture of world tour cyclists in that race at that front end of the race and he was holding his own with all of them so yeah he um excellent result and i know he's targeting success at national road race um events or the the national road race um championships uh this year podium place um yeah if he could secure that and and can kind of build on what he's done so far i mean 
given his, as you say, his, his ability in these one-day events, I mean, you know, is Olympic Games a possibility at some point or is that...? Well, there you go. Um, how British, <laughs> how England or, or Great Britain choose a team for those bigger events, nobody really knows. So that sometimes you get the riders turning up there and think, and why are they there? Um, whereas it's not like a first-past-the-post all the time as it would be with, say, swimming or athletics. Mm. Sometimes it's down to availability. I don't want to do it. You know, it may be the Olympic Games, but i got more important things on my calendar, um, and that's like the Tour de France or the Giro or wherever it might be, and the Olympic Games may not be for me. All right, and then you look at the course. Uh, look, I think what I will say is that whoever wins the World Championship for, for the road, road, road championships, world championships, or the Olympic Games World Championships, is not necessarily the best rider in the world. It's who performs best on that one day. And uh, uh, it, it can be quite a mixture of winners. Mm. So, you know, the Olympic Games, particularly the women's Olympic Games in 26, 20, whenever the last one was in Tokyo, um, that was won by a woman that they didn't even know was down the road. <laughs> she yeah. slept off the front. So it, it can be a, <clears throat> and how, you know, would he ever represent Great Britain? He could do, but you don't always get what you might consider to be the best riders at the Olympic Games or the World Championships. Um, whoever picks those. Yeah. It might be down to availability. It might be down to, we think they're the best ones, but, you know, We'll have to wait and see on that one. So, I think that the main thing would be if he could, if he win the national champs, then he rides around with the national champs jersey on him. That's that's a big thing to have on your back because people want to see national champions in a race. So that helps if he could do that. And was it was that one by Cavendish this year? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. Any danger of him coming back to Guernsey <laughs> this summer? Do you think? Unlikely. Unless <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he may not. Oh, well, I assume he's got a team for next year, which he, he does. Uh, if he if he didn't have a team, then he might have been representing the Isle of Man at the Island Games again. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he has a team to go to now. Yeah. Well, I suppose that. Yeah. As nice as it would be to line up alongside him, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just finally, Gary, what about domestically at the moment? Um, I know there's been a lot of movement in cycling in recent years. Uh, got a development officer you know for the first time um in digger which is yep. great to see um you know it's, it's you know it's a real like, it's been a growth sport hasn't it for yep. for several years now is that sort of continuing locally yes i think i mean the development officer is a role that in ensures that you've got one person who will pick up the reins of pushing the sport on and not just a group of individuals who might collectively do the same thing his focus is on developing youngsters and and really the whole club who wants to be developed um so he's put something out today about you know i'm just gonna start running class on mountain bike skills we've never done that before you know not for adults we've done it for for the youngsters at delancey park but you know he's specifically now targeting things like that which will improve one's ability so yeah that's good i think in terms of the standard we've got some great youngsters coming through uh, you know, there's just the names on our uh, list for the Island Games has got a huge number of younger riders, very enthusiastic to, to progress. And it, all, all we can do is wind them up and point in the right direction. Mountain bike, women's mountain bike squad, never seen the numbers like this before. We've got a tremendously great group of lady riders, both on the road 
and on the mountain bike and the mountain bikers we've got eight names eight names for five splays we've never had anywhere near that number we're, in the past been like <clears throat> you got mountain bike yeah <laughs> do you want to go to the only game yeah so it you know we, we're we are very fortunate in, in across all of those areas for the island games we've got lots of choose from the competition is really really good for because of it well that's really good to hear and um yeah a lot of hard work i'm sure for them all to do between yeah. now and then yeah. it's gonna be fun a big year ahead um yeah. i'm sure we'll catch up with you again uh, before um before july and hopefully british cycling got back to you brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so do i <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure it'll come together uh, gary thanks for coming in and um yeah we'll catch you soon absolute pleasure thank you Gary Walbridge speaking to me there. Of course, uh, a massive um, summer ahead uh, for cycling in the island, a massive summer ahead for sport in the island with the uh, Island Games coming back to Guernsey for a third time um, in July. Um, Sadly, though, um, one of the island's finest sports administrators who played an absolutely enormous role um, in the International Island Games Association, Owen Lavalle, um, won't be with us um, to see those games take place. Uh, it was announced this week um, that he'd passed away at the age of 95, um, someone who ha- had a massive impact in sport in Guernsey. And Rob Batiste um, has joined us um, to, to tell us a bit about him and his contribution to local sport. Rob, um, yeah, I think you described him earlier as Guernsey's greatest ever sports administrator. Yeah, I think... Um I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who would rival him, to be honest. I mean, there have been some outstanding administrators in single sports, but I think Owen's influence stretched across so many different sports. And, of course, you've got to include the Ireland Games and the Commonwealth Games within that. You know, if it hadn't been for Owen's work in both organisations, a lot, lot fewer people would have had a chance to um, display their skills and talents on the international stage. You know, he put a lot, a lot of time into sport and um, he was always a very affable man and and a very committed man. I mean, I've, I spoke to Jorgen Pettersson a couple of years back when he was um, visiting Guernsey for on an Island Games, International Island Games visit. And um, I quizzed him on Owen's influence then and he said yeah. that, you know, he was just... Um, he described Owen's magic in actually... Um, transforming what was the Inter-Island Games in 1985 and an experimental sort of event into the Island Games we've long known. He was in the Isle of Man that year in 1985 and everybody was loving, you know, what they'd experienced that week and Owen stood up and said, well, Guernsey, welcome to Guernsey in two years' time, we'll stage it. And he did it off his own bat. Nobody was, nobody had even talked about it before. And it was a very, very brave move by Owen. But he stood up there and said, no, we'll do it. And he did it. And then, obviously, the Island Games really did take off then. And Owen, of course, was a huge influence on the International Island Games Association. Highly respected within that. And, um, and of course, then there's the Commonwealth Games as well, where he was involved in from the very start for Guernsey in 1970 you know, attended many, many, many um, Commonwealth Games as a chef de mission. But all behind the scenes of that, he was hugely involved in the Guernsey Commonwealth Games Association. Nothing got past Owen, really, in that respect. Um, I know he was, you know, he, he backed our sportsmen. He was hugely a big friend of the likes of the shooters, um, Adrian Breton, for example, who went on to Olympic success. And um, and others, Rod Prevel, and um, yeah, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of people are very indebted to him. 
But he was also a good sportsman himself. I mean, people tend to forget in the 50s, long before my time, I must say, say that um, he was a top roller hockey player when the days when roller, ho- roller hockey was huge at St George's Hall. And he was a pre-league footballer um, for a large period of the 1950s. He was a fairly regular at St Martin's front line playing on the right wing and then I just did a bit of research and in fact he scored a hat-trick in 1958 in a Jeremy Cup tie against Centrals um, and his career sort of faded out just before Saints became a great club you know big influence with the likes of Colin Runoff but um, he was a stalwart at St Martin's for a long period as well. And where, where did he get that sort of start in administrating then was he heavily involved in athletics? Um I'm not sure. I'll have to um, do a bit more research on that. But I know he, I suspect he was heavily involved in the revival of um, the Guernsey Athletic Club after it sort of sort of almost folded in the mid in the 60s. Um, um, he was always around, you know, helping driving the sport, as I say, more often than not timekeeping. Um, I've spent many an evening down a foot's lane on the, on the steps there, timekeeping with Owen. We used to have a good giggle and... Um, Sometimes he was a bit late on his watch, and we used to have a bit of a laugh. And now you know, saying, "You sure, Owen? You know, you know, you know." That time was very, very fast. But um, but he was um, he was good fun. Um, yeah, and I must, even though he defied, he denied me a a really, really. Um, I think it was an island record at <laughs> 400 metres in Iron Schools Championships once down the Varond, where he quite rightly pointed out there must have been something wrong with the track in terms of the length of it because it couldn't possibly be that. And he was dead right. You couldn't get part, much past him. The width of the track and the various lanes were all over the place at the Varond. I think the um, whoever was marking it that particular day must have had a few beers. Because <laughs> 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 some were about a metre and a half wide and some were about two two feet wide you know but um yeah it was um he was a good sort Owen and um even in his latter days I mean long after he'd given it up administration I know he was a a good colleague and a friend of ours in the stand at at Foots Lane at watching rugby where he would be dishing out his sweets to us (laughs) you know and um it was it was a shame when he stopped coming to rugby um, due to his failing eyesight but um no he's huge influence yeah. Sport. Yeah, absolutely. And uh yeah, a, a great shame he, he's not gonna be around to see the games this summer. Um Guernsey twenty twenty-three um tweeted um the news. They said we're all deeply saddened to hear about the passing of our dear Owen Lavalley MBE. Owen was a stalwart of the International Island Games. He will be sorely missed, but we know he'll be with us in spirit in July. We'll do it for you, Owen. Um and yeah, certainly um sounds like uh yeah. A lot of corners of Guernsey Sport hugely indebted to to his contribution. Yeah, very apt message. And I'm sure um, there are many, many people in the Island Games community across Europe who um, remember Owen well and will, um, will applaud that message. Well, Rob, I understand you're going to be doing a full obit and we'll not be in the paper at some point in the next um, week or so. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming in and uh, yeah, sharing that about uh, Owen Valley, who uh, passed away this week at the age of 95. No problem. That's just about it then, I think, from us. Uh, thanks very much, guys. We'll be back next Thursday and every Thursday, uh, give or take one or two over the course of the year, um, with the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. So uh, stick with us. Make sure you hit follow, subscribe, and pick up a paper six days a week um, for the very best, uh, most comprehensive local sports coverage around. Um, cheers, guys. Enjoy your weekends, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.